everyone. I'm Anna Leger-Dapp, Senior Director, Clinical Guidelines and Quality Improvement, and I represent ASHP on the National Academy of Medicine Action Collaborative on Clinician Wellbeing and Resilience. I'm excited to share with you that today's episode is a curated feature from the exceptional programming from the 2022 ASHP Mid-Year Clinical Meeting, focusing on well-being and resilience in your practice and in your day-to-day lives. Please enjoy the voices of your colleagues as they share their best practices and leadership advice at the world's largest gathering of pharmacists. Let's talk about mindset. Mindset is the compass. It's your guiding lighthouse, as we say. Mindset is the way that we recognize. What you feed your mind on a daily basis is what your mind feeds off of in a crisis. My dad was in the Air Force, and they teach pilots not necessarily how to think, but how to respond smartly when an engine goes out or a bird flies into the engine. What is your normal response? What's your normal response? And it is driven by what you're feeding your mind on a regular basis. So you have to consider that. Consider this also. Your mindset, your mindset actually gives you the opportunity to have an attitude about something. And here's what a formula that I know will work for you. A plus B equals C. Attitude plus behavior equals consequence. What you think and believe and your experiences that have told you and move you through a certain area will actually lead you to a behavior and that behavior will lead you to a consequence. So finish this phrase for me. Practice makes, I heard perfect. I'm gonna change that just a little bit. Let me negotiate with you. Practice makes permanent. Permanently good or permanently bad? Do you believe that? Yeah, so think about it. Um, Any of us have habits that are good habits? Yeah, any of us have habits that are bad habits? How long does it take to change a bad habit? It depends, you know, many people say 21 days. I will tell you that you really have to be honest with yourself and you have to say, well, 21 days to undo and then maybe another 21 days to redo, so there's a good 42 days right in there. Uh, Let me give you an example. Um, I had lived in Boulder, Colorado, which is a really beautiful, great place to be. And I moved there right when they um, legalized pot. I think it was called 420 or something. And I just remember that a lot of the pedestrians just looked very slow and very hungry. <laughs> but they also have a lot of very elite athletes there. And, you know, one of the things that I, habits that I got into was every time I drove to the airport, I stopped off at this really cool donut shop because they had the best fritters, like, in the world. They had apple fritters, pineapple, blueberry, all these kinds of amazing fritters, and they were so, so good. I stopped every time I went to the airport. It was a habit. Not a good habit. 15 pounds later, not a good habit. Do you think it's bad if a donut shop sends you an email and says, we miss you? (laughs) I think that's bad. I think that's very bad. Um, But I had that little, you know, dongle on the keychain, and so every time you got four, you get a fifth one free. I mean, come on. The only way that I could get out of that habit was what? Change the way I drove to the airport. And I did, and it was hard. There was, oh, there were some days when we backslid. Yes, we did. (laughs) Because those fritters were fine. In fact, if I ever go through Boulder, I go by that place, just because it's, hey, it's not that often, but still. Habits die hard. 
But here's what you have to understand. You have to make sure you understand what the good is toward that habit. Many of us have habits right now that are serving us and doing very well, but many of us have habits that are swerving us and they're keeping us off course. We're, if somebody uh, sticks their head in the door and they go, got a minute, we go, yeah, and then we realize that they don't mean a minute, they mean 20 or 25. We're doing knee-jerk things without thinking, okay? So that's why I'm asking you to start reflecting about what it is that you're doing, how you're doing it, and ask yourself, what's working, what needs work? In my world, what's working, what needs work? In fact, um, if you uh, text in for the handout, I'm gonna include a chart that's just an ongoing scorecard of what's working and what needs a little bit of work. Um, I'm gonna ask you questions though right now to get you in that mindset. Have I embraced a curious mindset rather than a frustrated one? If I have to learn a new process or procedure, do I welcome the idea that I might be able to do something more efficiently? Some of us have habits right now in all of our procedures. Are you of the mindset that you're open to a new process, even though you've done it hundreds of thousands of times, are you open to it? This is very important. This is the reflect part, where you have to think, am I open to it? Am I an excellent listener? Reflect on that. Does it make me crazy when people question me or my methods? Is my skin too thin? Can I take productive feedback? You know, what if you have somebody that you work with that figures out how to take a nine-step process and break it down to five steps? What do you think about that? Some of you think slacker, right? Yeah, but think about it. What if the person does that, but they don't change any of the parameters? They still meet the deadline. They still meet the quality. That's not slacker. That's brilliant. In fact, you should follow these people around with a pen and a pad. What are you doing now? Nothing. Oh, let me write that down. Does nothing, sitting and standing. Woo! You know, uh, one of the places I work, I asked this head of the office, I said, how many people work here? And he looked around and he goes, about half. He goes, but the only problem is we're not sure which half. <laughs> he said, you know, if you give the hardest job to the laziest person, he will show you the easiest way to do that job. True? True. What's wrong with asking everybody to consider a better, quicker, more efficient way to do things? What's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with that. What's wrong with having that mindset? Even though you're set, you're a rock star in what you're doing, there could be even more savings of time and effort time and effort, which would be really great. Think about it. Can I take productive feedback? Am I good with that? Ask yourself what's working, what needs a little bit of work. All right, now let's move forward to review. Always make sure you're reviewing. How did today go? How was I with people? How were my interactions with people? Did I really listen to people or was I like, yeah, come on, come on, come on. For some people, the word listen is not a verb. It's, um, it's wait is the verb they're doing. They're waiting, waiting for us to stop. Have you ever had somebody tell you, you're not listening, you're not listening? Have you ever had somebody say that? And what they really mean is you're not agreeing with me. You're not agreeing, right? So I like to prove it to them very politely. And I like to say, well, I heard you say this and that. And I heard you say that this is how it affects you. Did I get that right? And they say yes. And I say so you see, I am really listening very intently to you. I, I just have a different way of looking at the solution. So you can prove it to them. So we need to at least take a little bit of a review. Like, how did today go? You know, Brian Tracy, one of my favorite gurus, Brian Tracy, and he always says, he started the morning with an AM question. The AM question is, what do I need to do today to get farther along on fill in the blank? 
And then at the end of the day, you review. What did I do today to get farther along on blank, whatever that might be? You could even shorten the, the window. You could say, what do I need to do this morning to get farther along on X? What do I need to do before lunch? What do I need to do by the time lunch comes? And then at the end of the day, I have an alarm that goes off on my, on my phone. My Google, you can program your Google, by the way, to bug you during the day. For the, any of you who might have that, or you can do it on your phone or you can do it on your watches. My watch is really funny because sometimes I talk with my hands and it thinks I'm working out, so I love that. <laughs> Feel the burn. <laughs> um, but um, I have my watch programmed at certain times of the day to check in with me. So it, it'll say things like, hey, it's 10 o'clock. How, how are those calls going? And then about 3 o'clock, it'll say something like, you know, of course, it, it always wants me to go to lunch, but always at noon or whatever. And then about 3 o'clock, it says, hey, it's time to check that scorecard. How are things going? Because 3 o'clock gives me time to catch up with something that maybe I didn't get on or get done. But it also gives me an opportunity to really rethink my goals and what's really important. So I'm going to ask you to review and I'm going to ask you to rethink how you're doing things. Am I really using my time wisely? And am I not just tearing through the day and actually, uh, let's make sure that we're uh, thoughtful and deliberate, two of my favorite words, so we can renew. I hope that many of you are in a renew mode. I hope many of you have actually considered renewing. Thinking about what gives you life, what brings you oxygen, you know, and you have to make sure that you are taking care of yourself. So one of the things I say is do one thing you love each day. Do one thing you absolutely love each day. As long as it's legal and ethical and moral and all those things. But do one thing you love each day. In other words, sometimes some of us think that reading is a, a very special luxury. And if you're not finding that you have time to do that, you have to carve it out. You have to carve it out. In fact, to put things on your to-do list is not enough. You have to actually put it on your schedule. You have to actually put it on your schedule. Put yourself a block there. You know, I'm finishing up another book and I have put on my calendar, it's called Book Writing Block. So I literally, I mean, it makes me very happy when I'm writing and I'm expressing and I'm getting things down and ideas out on paper because I know people are gonna be using them. And, uh, it, but it pops up on my calendar every day for a specific period. If you don't have a routine, consider getting one but how are you renewing yourself? Have you just gone for a walk? Have you just stepped out? Have you just tried to do something where you can actually reflect and move on and do some renewal work, do some renewal? Mindfulness is a very powerful thing. It's very powerful. All right, let's move forward to heart set. Heart set's all about your emotions. Happiness, sadness, bliss, joy, frustration, anger, just a few examples. You know, with many of us, we don't always know when something's going to take us by surprise. But one thing I do know is that in many cases, we have said something like this, ooh, he made me so mad. Do you realize that no one can make you mad, sad, glad, or bad without your permission? So. What we talk about is emotional intelligence, and many of you are very versed in this, and there's four basic areas of emotional intelligence. The first area is self-knowledge. I have to know myself, I have to know my triggers, I have to know the crazy makers that are about me. The second area is self-management. 
It's great if you know yourself, but it's not really great if you don't know how to manage yourself. If you're going to put yourself in constant situations that are gonna drive you crazy, you're actually fueling the fire. So one of the things we, we know is that we have to make sure and recognize what is and isn't a crazy maker for us, but what does make us thrive. We have to understand that we love details or we love bullet points. You know, you are recognizing this. And then we move to that other side of the equation, the social side. So we have the side that deals with self, the self side, self-knowledge, self-management. And then we have the social side, social awareness, and then my managing of me within that, in, in that whole entity. So how am I re reacting, responding, and reflecting with people? Are you the kind of person that people look forward to seeing? Do you pass the smile test? Do people smile when they see you coming down the hall? Or do they smile when they see you walking away? <laughs> I teach a class called Dealing with People You Can't Stand. And, well, we don't really call it that because that's not nice. We, we, call, <laughs> we call it how to handle difficult and demanding people. And there was this woman who came in late, and she comes in and sits down on the front row. And you could see she just was huffing, you know. She just wanted to be there. And I'm going through the housekeeping of the room and whatever. And, and she raises her hand in the middle of my announcement. And she goes, excuse me, but I don't know why they sent me here. And all of us are thinking, well, we know, you know. You're like, you're going to be our laboratory experiment here. You are the perfect example of what difficult looks like. Thank you, ma'am, for coming. <laughs> she goes, because I've got 12 more days until I retire. And she couldn't see this because she was sitting in the front, but everybody behind her was going. <laughs> she said, they're going to give me a party when I leave. And they're just like doing this, you know. And it's like, it's not for the reasons you think, ma'am. But the point is. If you are aware of you, and you're aware of your triggers, if you're aware of the things you love and the things you don't love, the odds are going to be very good that you're going to be that person when you're walking down that long hallway that people are going to look forward to seeing. They're going to think, you know what, I, I like to talk with her. She's got always something productive to say. Um, she helps me when I have an issue or a problem. I always want to be able to, to see that person. They look forward to our emails. Is that you? And if it's not you, you need to work on that part. Why? Because we have to have it from within. When you have it from within, you'll never be without. So you've got to figure out how to get your own oxygen. You've got to figure out how to get your own oxygen first so that other people can respond, but you've got to be standing strong. Standing strong even before. Part of that, heart set. Moving forward, embrace. So embrace, embrace this beautiful thing that who you really are. Take the skills and gifts that you have and be grateful. Admit that you cannot be all things to all people. You can decide to be many amazing things with your team. You can decide to be the, the extra mile person. You can decide to do that and be that, you know, as far as that goes, but you've got to embrace that. Also, thinking about energizing. Do you energize or do you short circuit everything around you? Do you pass that smile test? So really put some thought into it. Do you need to wear caution tape when you walk down the hall? Do you all know people who are like Debbie Downer? No matter what, nothing's ever good. They're like, you know, I got a raise, but I don't like the color of the check. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> I got, yeah, I got an office with a window, but I don't like the shape of the window. Wah, wah, wah. 
These are Debbie Downers. And if, if you have people like this in your world, let me, can I just give you, I'll give you one way that you can handle them. One thing that I like to do is I like to re-gift it. But here's the deal. You gotta, first you have to validate, then you pivot, and then you re-gift. Three things, validate, pivot, re-gift if you have negativity. And if somebody tells you something negative, I mean, I'll give, you, I'll give you this, that sometimes there are people who have real issues and those real issues are really riding heavily on them. You need to take aware, awareness to that. But there are some people who just every day, no matter what, you know, I don't like the color of this paint, you know, all this stuff. And there's never anything good. You know, like I had a friend of mine who used to say, today's gonna suck. And I was like, you know, Susan, you really are kind of negative. And why don't you at least try to say something a little bit more positive? She goes, oh, okay, well, I'm positive. Today's gonna suck. My point is if it's, it's the awareness. So if somebody does come and say something negative, I mean, usually I'll keep around, you know, like a little uh, lint brush or something. I'll go, ooh, something just got all over me if they say something negative to me. But otherwise, I'll say, wow, it sounds like that's very frustrating. I'll validate. And then I'll say, what are you going to do about it? I re-gift it. What, or what do you think you should do about it? Because we all have friends and people who tell us things, but they really don't want to fix it. So you have to think about this when you're dealing with people. If you're gonna be the person who's gonna be the energy person, just know your role when people come to you with a vent. Sometimes people just want to vent. Let them vent, and you, and you might even say this, okay, now am I listening or am I fixing? <laughs> we have a lot of people who just wanna fix everything like whack-a-mole. Our mission is just be aware, what's my role here? What would you like me to do? I can add energy to a room, to a project, to a new process, or I can suck the life out of it. I get to choose. That's how powerful we are. So my resilience is in how I'm bouncing back. How am I bouncing back? Where's my energy coming from? How is that moving? All right, so are you hopeful? Are you helpful? Are you helpless? Do they look forward to seeing you and your emails? Or do they want to duck in the doorway when you're coming down that long hallway? Ask that question. <clears throat> oh, by the way, we'll have a Q&A today, but if any of you have questions as we go, um, I, I'm open to you having those questions, but we do have microphones, or a microphone, is that it? What, a microphone? Right there. If you have a question. All right, now let's move to inspire. How are you inspiring people? I just realized I have put my, one of my little folders in here. Here we go. Do you inspire or do you conspire? <laughs> do you inspire or do you conspire? What does that look like? What does that look like for you? One of the things that I will say also, if I can just, let me roll back into a lot of resilience management is energy management. Attitude management is energy management. Technically, we have several different modes per day. We have a green mode when we're all systems go, and that's a, a time frame of somewhere between three to five hours a day. They're peak hours for you. Then you have what we call a red zone, which is really our worst time at all. The red zone is a time when you're really not being able to think very well. You may be finding yourself tireder. 
and it's kind of like a lag time for you. For many people, it depends. Some people, it's the afternoon. Some people, it's actually the morning until they get started. And then we have what we call the yellow zone, where it's not really a bad zone. It's not really a great zone, but you're getting stuff done, but you're not a rock star. So we need to identify your green zones. We don't always have the luxury to do amazing things during the green zone, but we can always try. We can always try. So part of that is let's just make sure that in, in that respect that we will always at least look at where I am. And remember, a lot of this still comes back to reflecting. We're still reflecting, right? Reflecting and reviewing. All right, now let me move to, here's a question that I have for you. Am I brave enough to shake an Etch-a-Sketch and start fresh each day to say, wow, I am challenged to do new and different things. I am moving in the right direction. I am checking in with myself. I am looking at my chart to see what's working, what needs a little bit of work. Am I diligent enough to do that? How many of you have a routine in the morning when you get up before you ever come to work? Yeah, and if you don't have a routine, get one because the stability of a routine is fantastic. Many of you here actually might do some kind of meditation. You know, one of my favorite gurus is Robin Sharma, and he talks about the power hour. He has a book called The 5 a.m. Club, which is really scary. I mean, I like roosters and everything, but I'd like them a lot better if they woke up at 10.30. But he talks about getting, getting your day, and he calls it a power hour, where first 20 minutes he does some kind of motion. Next 20 minutes, he does some kind of mind work, meditation. And then the next 20 minutes, he will do some really solid focus on the day. You know, one of the biggest mistakes a lot of us make is we, we dive into email first thing in the morning. There was a great book out by Stephanie Morgenstern. It was called Never Check Email in the Morning. Now, she didn't literally mean that. What she meant was you can set your outlook to default to either email or calendar. And she suggested you set it to calendar. Why? Because if you open up the email, she goes, people were using the email as their day timer. If you use your calendar as your schedule for the day, email is part of the, of the calendar, not the calendar. Some of you have been caught in email. And you look up after two and, two and a half hours and you go, wow, where did the time go? So just some little things that we need to do as we're moving through, what kind of routine do you have and what kind of a mindset do you have so that you're literally reviewing this? I'll also tell you this, how do you deal with people? If you wanna inspire people, I can tell you six ways to help you inspire people. Number one, talk with them, not at them. Talk with them, not at them. You know, if you're at work, some of you are working with people, I need you here at nine. I've heard that before. I need you here at nine, as opposed to, hey, we start work at nine. Or maybe we have a conversation with somebody. But we used to, we used to talk with people, and many of us sometimes do this. We'll talk to you like we're the parent and you're the kid. And there were so many sayings that I can remember, and, and I, I had to write them down. But say these with me if you remember this. Don't talk with your mouth full. Straighten up and fly right. My dad was Air Force, so we got that. If you were Navy, it was shape up or ship out. Uh, don't make me pull this car over. Do you know that one? <laughs> Just you wait to 
until your father gets home. If all the kids in the neighborhood jumped off a cliff, does that mean you have to jump off a cliff too? But here's my favorite. You ready? This was first name, middle name, last name. You knew it was serious. I'm going to count to three. Did I hear somebody say ten? Oh, what a cushy childhood you had. I had three seconds to get my butt over there. And here's how, count with me. Count with me the way the counting went. One, two, two and a half. Two and a half. Two and three quarters, Kelly Susan. Two and four fifths. This is how most of us learn fractions. <laughs> Am I right? Yeah. And, but many of us fractioned our way. So right now, let's be honest. If you want to inspire people, you set a standard, you follow the standard. You make sure that everyone that you work with knows what three is. Three is a standard, it's a goal, it's a deadline, whatever it is you want to make it, but that's the symbolic meaning of three. If everybody knows what three is, then that means that we'll all strive to get it, and if we don't, we all know there's consequences. But we still need to stand firm with three. That's why I like to start on time. That's why I like to end on time. We need to keep those standards. You inspire people with your consistency. You inspire people when you don't have meetings that are meaningless. You inspire people when you don't have a meeting that all it does is lead to another meeting because we didn't accomplish anything. We don't waste other people's time. Think about it. Think about it. We always want to show them more gain, less pain. Save me time, save me money, save me effort. Don't waste my time, don't waste my money, don't waste my effort. You inspire me because you have productive ideas, thoughts, and you've embraced that sense of wonder and curiosity about how can we all come together. We can focus forward to fix, not back on blame. Focus forward to fix. That's where we want to go. Talk with people, not at them. So if I have somebody who's got like a behavioral issue, for instance, I might say, instead of saying, I need you here at nine, I'd say, hey, what, what's your understanding of our on-time policy? So I'm kind of caught you already with that question because it's an on-time policy. What's your understanding of our blank deadline? What's your understanding of, I'm now starting a dialogue, not a debate, where I'm talking about value, not volume, right? Talk with people as adults, not at. Second thing of the six items that you can inspire, make a point, not an enemy. Make a point, not an enemy. That's my favorite definition of tact. Make a point, not an enemy. I love that. Make a point, not an enemy. Be civil. Civil discourse. Like my cousins, Aristotle and Socrates. The problem with Socrates, though, you know what Socrates always did. He always answered a question with a question. Thank you. And, and that's probably why they killed him. Socrates, why do you always answer question to a question? Well, why do you ask? Ah, have some hemlock. Oh, all right. So, but still, make a point, not an enemy. Just because somebody doesn't agree with you doesn't mean they're evil, right? We just need to be civil with each other. Number three, use dialogue, not debate. What that means is we need to go back and forth. We don't need to be right. We need to fight the urge to be right. Now, you can be right if it has to do with standard, security, safety, regulations, and, and specific standards where we, of, of, of medical safety, we, of course. But you need to pick your battles. Some of us are just not picking our battles. Some of us are, uh, we're just going for everything. We're going for everything. So I'm, I'm going to really highly encourage you to go for that dialogue, not debate. And then I said go for value, not volume. 
be really aware of what it is that is important to you and important to your staff and is important for us. What do we represent? What is our brand? Who are we? And when we can grab that and let that be the, the mindful part, then that's going to drive every procedure and process. That's going to drive accuracy. That's going to drive consistency. That's where we want to be. That's always where we want to be. Number five, make it your goal to have a high ROI. High ROI. Now, I know a lot of you know ROI is return on investment, but I'd like to change that to interaction. Every interaction is really important. So I'm going to give you two words to remind you. Be there. Be there. Be there with a patient. Be there with your colleague. Be there with your teammates. Be there with your super. Be there with your family. Be there with your, just be there. Please don't be at work when you're at home. Please don't be at home when you're at work in your head. It's, it's amazing what happens when you finally tune in. You know, I get to, to do a lot of training um, down in Sarasota and um, Blue Angels. Have anybody ever seen the Blue Angels fly? Wow. And, you know, of course, my dad's Air Force, so we've been to so many air shows. Um, and I, I just am amazed. But I had somebody in my class who worked with the Blue Angels. I said, what do you do for the Blue Angels? And he says, you see that yellow tip on the wing there? He said, I touched that up. I touched that paint up on that wingtip. It was just a little bit of yellow. It's a really blue plane and a teeny bit of yellow. And I said, really? And the whole class was like, oh, wow, does he work like once a month or something? He said, no, no, you'd be surprised when they're flying along at 500 miles an hour, 18 inches apart. He goes, sometimes those wingtips will cross and it flecks the paint off. He goes, every week I'm doing some paint. Can you, I'm just, he had me at 500 miles an hour, 18 inches apart. There's six planes doing this. Canopies upside down, flying backwards, upside down. How all in? How be there can you be? Can you imagine your whole crew being that present when you're working together? Can you imagine? That would be phenomenal. Let that be a goal. Let that be a goal. And then finally, think about this. Notice others' unique talents and mention it to them. Practice what we call random deposits. You know, I love the story about the, the spouse who asked the husband, honey, do you love me? He said, well, of course I love you. I married you. <laughs> she said, yeah, but you never say it. He said, I said I love you the day we got married. If things change, I will let you know. <laughs> Let's not wait until we're at the table with our divorce papers to let people know how much we appreciate them. And it can be something really not that big of a deal in the, on the, in the scheme, scheme of things, but think about it. We've got people who are rock-solid citizens. They may not be the most emotive, you know, but they may be the people that are they're solid. They're showing up on time and early. They're getting things done. They're, they're really holding themselves to quality standards. And nobody's ever said to them, hey, I just want you to know how much I appreciate your consistency. Or, you know, one thing I literally love about you is X, whatever it might be. Think about what it could be. So start to think about and recognize people for their unique talents. Make sure that it's a skill. It's not, not, like a, not like a visual, not like, hey, you always dress nice or something like that. It needs to be inside. 
a lot of people don't realize this, but, you know, Jack Canfield, I don't know if you have read a lot of the Chicken Soup for the Soul books, but I've got to meet Jack on a few different events. And, you know, he was a middle school teacher. And um, when people would do something really great, a lot of people would go, oh, wow, I'm so proud of you. But he switched that around and he said, you should be so proud of yourself. He was trying to get that person to recognize from inside, wow, you really should be proud of yourself for that. You really rocked that. So consider, if you can, how can I inspire you? And of course, if you model it, like I say, like it or not, we're the example. If you model it, you're going to get a lot closer to coming through on that. Have that driving spirit. Make sure that people are drawn to you rather than away from you. Now, soul set. What about this soul set? This is getting real with yourself and understanding what brings you joy to deep dive into your psyche and really define it. My great-grandfather used to always say, Calliope, that's my Greek name, Calliope. There's only two ways it motivates people. You've got to know what makes them tick and what ticks them off. True? So I say to you, what do you love about your job? And you know what I hear? The people, the challenge, the variety, the paycheck. And so then I go, well, what frustrates you about the job? The people, the challenge, the variety, the paycheck. How could that be? How could people be on both sides? How can you love the people and then not like the people? And, the, and someone will say to me, well, certain people, you know. The people that don't think like I do, they're hard to get along with. But your soul set is what drives you. It's on the inside. And I like to say this, when you have it from within, you'll never be without. What do you love about your job? Really embrace this. Seriously. You have to clarify this because everything in this influences everything you do. What are the feels? What makes you happy about what you do? What else? What are, what are some other things we love? What are some other things we love? Anybody? Want to yell? Look, you're like, oh, we want you to talk, Kelly. What was it? The people? Music. Yeah. What do you, and here's what I would say to all of you. All of us in here have a favorite song. If you have a favorite song, my suggestion for you is get that song on your phone. It's a lot cheaper than a $150 counseling session. It's so easy to get a song. In fact, I think most of us can get it for free. If You can just listen to YouTube and you get your song. But, but I would say that there are five senses that can rock you right back into it. But, but, but really think about this. If I said to you, what's your favorite sound or song, you should be able to write that down. So think about it, the five senses, sight, sound, taste, touch, and smell. You need to know these because instantaneously you can get put back into the right frame of mind, instantaneously. So for sight, what we say is, what's a picture? What is a picture that you could imagine or that you actually have, that you could look at, that you would instantly smile? Think about it right now. Everybody think about that. All right. And if, if you have the courage, if you want to, tell somebody next to you, what's that picture? What's that picture? Tell somebody next to you, what's that picture? You're like, well, I don't want to tell you. I don't want to tell you because I don't know you. What's the picture? That's the sight. What's the sound? What's the sound? Got the sound is the song. Oh, she's coming down. She's coming down in the audience. What's she doing? All right. Um, sight, sound, taste. Favorite food. Favorite food. Comfort food, comfort food. Anybody? I, what was it? Lobster, yeah. 
If you're paying, I'm coming. Um, um, I don't know why, but mine's chicken pot pie. But it's got to be the good one, the good one, not the Dollar Tree chicken pot pie, not that one. I'm so bummed. Dollar Tree's now $1.25. Just totally messes me up at the checkout. I used to have a friend of mine. She's a comedian. She used to run around the dollar store, and she'd hold stuff up at the manager, and she'd go, how much is this? Dollar. How much is this? A dollar. Everything's a dollar, lady. What's wrong with you? She goes, I'm just asking. All right, so, but here's, so think of your favorite food. Now, if you haven't written this down, you need to get all these five, all five things down. Sight, sound, taste, touch, and smell. Touch, is there a feel? Um, barefoot in the grass is cool for me. We don't do it often. And then, let's see, smell. Here we go. Realtors found this out a long time ago. If you're going to be have an open house, you bake cookies or pie in the house. We're not talking about the candle. We're talking the real deal. People walk in and it transforms them. Now, what I'm going to suggest to you, though, is get this list of five. Then you know how you can do a collage on your phone? Collage the five. Have a secret super picture page that you can always go to. Instant stress relief. With the song as well. And you know, the song, you could do the album cover for the picture. But I'm suggesting that you get real with what you love. Now, so think about what you love about your job and what you don't love. Here's the deal. If you really get real with what you love, then you really have a good idea of what you don't love. Then you can embrace the idea of the thing you love while you're doing the thing you don't love, believe it or not, it'll give you energy to be resilient to go that next level. What do I love about my job? I love the light bulb moment. I love that something that we talk about will inspire you to try something. People ask me what I do for a living. I don't always say I'm a speaker. I say I'm a light bulb distributor. And they go, what's up? Ooh, W-A-T-T-S. But sometimes I say I'm an irritational speaker. I'm not a motivational speaker, I'm an irritational speaker, because I do want to get under your skin a little bit. <clears throat> but, <laughs> I, um, what do I love? I love the light bulb. What do I not love anymore? The travel. It's changed. Those of you who travel, we know. So here's what we need to do. Embrace in your soul what makes you happy by rec recognizing what does not make you happy and think of the thing that makes you happy while you're doing the thing that's not your favorite. So I decided when I travel now, I'm gonna make it a little fun. I'm going to help people who've never flown before. And you can always tell who they are. They're the only ones watching the announcement, right? The safety announcement. So I see this lady sitting next to me and I, I notice she's watching the flight attendant and you know how flight attendants are, because nobody's paying attention. So this was a Southwest flight attendant, and she does this thing where she says, y'all, she said, there may be 50 ways to leave your lovers, but there's only six ways to get off this bird if we go down. <laughs> she said, now, if we have a problem with the cabin pressure, which is highly unlikely, she said, three oxygen masks will drop down. She looked at this man, and she goes, now, only two of the three will work. Are you feeling lucky today, Sparky? And then she looked at this lady who had a couple of kids with her, and she said, ma'am, I see you have two darling children. You know you first fix your own mask, and then you must choose the child you love the most. <laughs> and I know that boy was looking at his sister like she always liked you better, so not a good ride. 
But this lady is watching the flight attendant, so I do not dare interrupt her because it's a really very serious moment for her. She seems scared. And um, she's looking around for the nearest exit. She's looking. I didn't have the heart to tell her, you know, ma'am, if we go down, there'll be a lot of exits. <laughs> in fact, in fact, they'll be, you'll be out. You'll be out already. Part of you will be out over here. Part of you will be out over here. <laughs> Don't do that on a first-time flyer. It's not nice. So I just said, have you not flown before? And she said, no. And she's literally white knuckling the armrest, you know, the one that I'm going to steal later on in the flight. And, and I said, listen, my dad was an airline pilot. In fact, he flew 747s and DC-10s. If you knew how strong these planes were, you would not worry even in a storm. And she could relax a little bit. I could just see her. And then I said, now, you know, you're part on the takeoff. Oh, side sidebar. Um, I've decided so that I can enjoy the thing that I don't love as much is to relieve my stress by causing stress in others. Back to the story. I said, now you know your part on the takeoff. And she got kind of weird and she goes, no. And I said, well, with the fuel prices, what they are these days, the passenger have to help with the lift of the aircraft on the takeoff. She said, what do you mean? I said, well, we go rolling down the runway and we got to flap just a little bit like this. She goes, what? My sister didn't say anything about this. I said, but that's not all. We have to add to the lift. So we have to do a little draft here. We got to go like that. And she goes, what? Now she's looking out the window and she's worried again. Well, you know, when you talk on the plane, your voice carries. This guy heard me, turned around when she was not looking, and he goes, hey, we heard you. We'll do it with you. <laughs> guy over here on the side, grabbing my sleeve, and he goes, hey, we're in, we're in. You got a crew of six, babe. I think, this is great. We're on the second row in the back of that plane. I got a crew of six. This could work. This is great. So we start rolling down the runway, and I check my crew. Check, 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 check. I check here. She's got her eyes closed. Check. We're rolling down the runway. We take off. The whole plane's going crazy. She's like, I did so good on my first takeoff. I can't wait to tell my sister. And then we got to Pittsburgh. We all watched her go off alone to take her connection. I'm kidding. I, I, we, I, I, I decided that uh, I would start telling them that's not what we really do. So I said, when all the excitement died down, I said, I got to be honest with you, we don't really do that on a takeoff. And she said, you know something, I'm not mad because I was so focused on being a good flapper that I forgot we left the earth. <laughs> so can I just say that when you get to the point in your life and in your job where you're flapping so hard you forgot you left the earth, that's being in the soul set. That's being in the zone. How many times have you been in the zone this week? How many times have you been in the zone this year? If you're not in the zone, why not get there? Embrace what you love, understand what you don't love, and see if you can work with that. Clarify this. Simplify. This is one of my favorite parts. Fall in love with the delete key. Fall in love with the delete key. Get real and stop hanging on to stuff you never use. Start a donation box. Declutter your world, your head, and your contact list. I had somebody who was really a drag on my world. And I... I just, everything, everything was bad. Everything was bad. There were, and, I, and I kept trying to help, trying to help. 
And you know how it is when people, when you offer a solution, and they're like, pull, that won't work, pull, boom, that won't work. They don't really want things to get better. And so I, she defriended me. She defriended me. And then she got mad because I didn't know it. <laughs> is that great? My favorite New Year's recording. Hi, thanks for calling. Sorry I missed your call, but I'm out making positive changes in my life right now. If it takes me a while to get back with you, you were one of those changes. <laughs> um, feel the urge to purge anything and anyone that drags you down, or at least at the very least, maybe limit your exposure to them. Get real. Get real with what brings you energy and what takes the life out of you. Get real also with, is this really a life or death thing or did I put life and death importance on it? Get your values in order. Get your values in order. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening today. If you haven't had the chance, I encourage you to visit wellbeing.ashp.org where you can learn more about our partnership with the National Academy of Medicine, the ASHP Wellbeing Ambassador Program, and find resources to promote well-being and strategies to manage occupational burnout. Be sure to follow us at ASHP Official wherever you listen to podcasts and check back soon to hear more featurettes from the 2022 ASHP Mid-Year Clinical Meeting.